everyone. This is your host, Steve Kemp, with the People Not Titles podcast. And I'm so pleased to be at Baird & Warner Naperville with um, just, an, uh, uh, just an exemplary broker that's been in the business for a long time, Frank Pissarro. So Frank, we're so excited about having you on the podcast. Thanks for doing this. Oh, I appreciate being here, Steve. Thank you. You're welcome. So Frank's been in the business second generation since 1993. And he runs the entire Baird & Warner property management arm, among, and then he does just real estate, you know, all over uh, the Chicagoland and Collar counties, uh, you know, just a normal practice as well. So, Frank, let's talk about this second generation. Uh, so, how, what was uh, so it's in your DNA, or is that uh, how does it work? It is. It, it has been okay. That way. I mean, my father started in 1973, mm. and so. Uh, he, he started me in, in that path. You know, I used to, I remember being in high school and uh, going and visiting clients with him around Christmas time. Okay. Uh, so you knew what it took. I, I knew what it took. Yeah. And and uh, so where, did you live around here? Yes, I grew up, I grew up in Naperville on the Northeast side. Okay. In, so you're homegrown here. First. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, and so when you're watching your dad, so what was your career path like? You're watching your dad do it, are you thinking, this is what I want to do, or, uh, you know, what attracted you to it? It, it didn't start that way. So, okay. I mean, I went, I went off to, I went off to college. Uh, college wasn't for me. Okay. I was there for about a year and a half. The okay. best thing that happened was I met my wife. All right. And so. <clears throat> so, you met your wife in college. Met my wife in college. Fantastic. And I, and I remember when I was making that decision whether to stay or not. My grandfather played a big role mm. in that decision. Mm. And he sat me down and he said, Frank, he said, you know, you have to make sure that you are ahead of all the people that are in college right now. Mm. You have to make sure by the time they get out that you've got that life and work experience that will counteract mm. that education that you're not getting. So what can you do if you're leaving after a year and a half, what can you do over the next two and a half years that will set you ahead of the diploma. Absolutely, right. Absolutely. And that's kind of a that's a that's a great uh, self awareness, actually. It was. That, hey, this is not for me. I want to get into the action. Is that how what you were kind of thinking? That is it. Okay. Yes. And so at that time, you had to be twenty one years of age to get your real estate license. Okay. I wasn't twenty one, hmm. so I couldn't do it. And so I went to work for a, a bank. Uh, I picked up a second job. I was, you know, I was doing my thing, and then uh, about uh, when I was 20 years old, I started working for my father in the real estate business. And, and what they, was the name of the brokerage at the time? At the time, it was Century 21. Okay. Team. Okay. It was in downtown Naperville, okay. and I was what they called the client coordinator. So I was the one that fielded all the calls that came in to the office uh, of people that may have seen a seen a house. Uh, driving by a sign, maybe they called in from a newspaper ad back in the day, mm -hmm. and so I was the one that asked them a bunch of questions, pre-qualified them somewhat, yeah, and then set them up with an agent uh, in the office, hmm. and that was my role for about a year. And I did some other things at the office for some of the other agents, setting up systems for them and so forth, because mm -hmm. I was waiting for that 21st birthday to hit. Okay. So I could take my exam and get my license and hit the ground running. So Frank, you're, it sounds like you're a serious-minded guy, and I could imagine what it was like 
you seem like a smart guy that to come home from college and to, it was the first conversation you had with your grandpa? Oh, it was before I left college. Okay. okay. Because I left, it was in, uh, I think it was January. Okay. So it was over that Christmas break to say, hey, this is what. This is not a fit for me. This is not a fit for me as much as I want to. Yeah. And what's the, what are my other options? Mm -hmm. And so. And was your dad kind of one of these guys like, hey, let's leave college, let's be, let's build a real estate dream together? Or was he more of an advocate for education? Just, you know, a lot of people that watch a podcast are kind of on this career journey of what do I do? How do I start? You know, what are, you know, they think everyone who has reached some level of success like you have in real estate is just kind of an easy, clear path. But it seems to me like there's always some crossroad moments where you have to make a tough call. And you're taking a risk to say, I'm, I'm going to give up that degree and all the mm-hmm. promises that the degree has. And I'm going to, you know, now I'm going to really expose myself and go, I got to make something happen. Sure, sure. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, you know, I, I, thinking back on it, I mean, I'm sure he wasn't thrilled. Yes. Okay. Yep. But I think that, you know, he, he knew that, that college wasn't for me mm-hmm. and that, okay, you know, it worked for him. So mm-hmm. why why wouldn't it work for my son? Yeah, you know. So so I, I don't have a, a definitive answer. Yeah, I'm kind of. But he wasn't like super negative. Like, hey, go back. You're a loser. Blah blah blah. Right. Because otherwise he wouldn't have he wouldn't have taken me under his totally. wing. Yeah. You know, and, and gone that route. And when you met your wife at college, yes. Uh, did you um, did you think like this is a girl I'm going to marry? Oh, that... oh yeah. Wow. Good for oh, you. Yeah. Man. That's great. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and it, it's interesting because I had I got my real estate license mm. and married mm. within a two month period of time. No kidding. So fantastic. You know, and, and I felt an obligation because yeah. here's a here's a, a bright, intelligent woman <laughs> that uh, <laughs> right. is putting all her eggs yeah. in, in right. one basket. Yeah. And I've got to come up and I've got to perform and I love you it, know, Frank. You know, provide. Yeah. yeah. Provide. Okay, and so uh, <clears throat> all right. So you, you're you're working with Century Twenty One. You get you pass your test on the first try. Uh, no. Okay. It happens. Okay. So now now, <laughs> now it's out there for the world. Okay. That's great. I love it. So, yeah. This know, is great. It, it didn't. Yeah. Uh, it took it took several tries. Okay. And part of the problem was I knew too much. Mm-hmm. I was reading into things. Yeah, so how it really is done as opposed to how they want it to be done or the law says or whatever. Absolutely. And I made the mistake first of taking the class at the College of DuPage. Okay. And so at the College of DuPage, they are teaching you like a college class. Yeah. For the theory, the knowledge. They're not teaching you to pass the test. Yeah. Well, so Frank, I love this because, you know, if you like stop the snapshot there, you'd be like, what did this guy do? Right. He quit college. He, he's too young to get licensed. He got married. He's fumbling around. Took him multiple times. It sounds like my life story in many ways. But then, you know, looking at the, not the end of the road because you're still building, you were then voted the top 40 under 40. Correct. Right? Yes. For real estate. Yes. So, you know, again, the beginning of the story is not the end of the story. No. Right? And you had, it, you, and no one gets paid for passing the test on the first time. No. You know what I mean? It doesn't help you sell any more homes. They never check that. It's not in the listing descriptions to say, oh, I passed the test the first time. Correct. You know, the test of life is much different than the brokerage test, right? Correct. Okay, Correct. so. 
So you get started, and yeah. uh, are you with Century 21 now? You bet. You passed your test. What six, seven, eight times? What did it take? It, it, it took. It took three times. <laughs> it took three hey, that's times. much less than I guessed, Frank. It took three times. So you know, but it was. It was. It was a process, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, I had to get my mind right and mm -hmm. wrap around it, and nerve wracking. You know, I never was a good test taker. Yeah. And so. And in the and in the and some kids kind of hole up and like, oh, my whole life is about taking this test. But you're like working, making things happen, trying sure. to sell home, you know, or whatever you're doing. So this is like, you know, you like this isn't your job to take the test, but no. your job is all these other things you had to get going. You know. Yeah. And so, okay, so uh, when did you sell your first home? How old were you? I was 21. Okay, so you sold your first home pretty quickly after right you got up. licensed? Mm-hmm. All right, yes. and did you leave the bank and all this kind of thing? Tell oh, us yeah. about how that went. Yes, well, the, 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 bank was, the bank was prior to my role as Century that final coordinator. Yeah. Okay. And then it was just a nice, easy transition into that. Mm -hmm. And so I, I do remember my very first transaction mm -hmm. was with Jim Bresnahan, a uh, longtime agent out of Remax in Downridge Grove. Is he still around? Is he no, still unfortunately, okay. he's not. Okay. And uh, uh, it was a condominium that I had sold, and uh, uh, still one of the clients that I have today. Actually, Amazing. We've, we've we've done a lot of business with the entire family. That's awesome. So it started from. The one individual and grew to uh, it's a big family. Mm. Uh, there's six of them, mm. and so we have had participated over the last 30 years in every transaction that the family has done wow. since I started. Wow! So what what a journey that is, right? To know that you know the deals that you're doing today. If you have that vision, you're going to stay in the business. You know, you're going to be doing their kids and Correct. you know on and on and relatives and uh, referrals and all the various things you know so that's great and that, that was one of the nice things you know was with working with my father he may have worked with the parents mm -hmm. well now the kids were coming up the pike mm -hmm. and so it was very it was a very easy transition to say oh well, here's my son mm -hmm. you know he could probably relate a little bit better to their situation. So Frank, uh, some people might look at it and go, oh, you know, his dad was in the business so it was easier for him or whatever it is. But that's not always true either, is it? No, it's uh, not. You know, they, you have to, you still have to earn uh, the, the, the trust of the client. They don't care about whose kid you are. They care about who they're dealing with. So what were some of the early struggles of sales that maybe surprised you? Um, I, I think the very first one was I had to overcome the age thing. Mm -hmm. You know, being 21, there weren't a lot of 21-year-olds in the real estate business mm -hmm. in 1993. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, while I can't say it holds true now, but I got myself a pair of glasses that I wore all the time. Okay. Um, now I need them. Yeah. But, yep. but back in the day, I wore glasses to make myself look older. Mm. Uh, I had to make sure that my dress code was business-like and so mm -hmm. forth. I always wore a tie mm -hmm. and so forth. So, you know, overcoming that age issue when the average age, and probably even still today, the average age is around 50 for mm -hmm. a realtor. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that, that was a, a something to overcome. Yeah, so it's one thing. It's one thing when you're uh, experienced and seasoned and have clients under your belt and you have some moxie to dress how you want to, right? In correct. some ways, but sometimes you have to dress how you have to, that is right? Correct. And uh, so you adjust, that's great. 
Uh, and what was your days like? I mean, is it is it prospecting, hustling, improving? What was that? It, it was. It was a lot of. You know, I was very fortunate because uh, while while my father was in the business, he had a lot of resources that I could tap. Mm -hmm. And and what I mean by that is, I spent some time with an attorney. Mm -hmm. I spent some time with a home inspector. I spent some time with an appraiser learn while I was waiting to get my license mm -hmm. to learn mm -hmm. those back end, mm -hmm. those other um, um, uh, people that that contribute to the real estate yep. transaction yep. so that I knew what they were, what their expectations were and how to make things go a little bit smoother. Mm -hmm. And then with the day-to-day -day activities, yeah, it was a lot of prospecting. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's, a, it's a lot different now than it was then. We didn't have the do not call list. Right. So I was on the phone making calls as often as I could to mm -hmm. various neighborhoods looking for sellers that wanted to sell. Mm -hmm. um, Inspired listings or whatever it was. Whatever it took yeah. to do that. Well, you know what's fascinating, Frank, is, okay, you have, a, you have a, a person that looked at college and said, not for me, but then you became kind of a lifelong learner. Absolutely. Right, and that you, you immediately understood that educating myself is my responsibility and, I, and you felt more comfortable educating yourself in your career than you did just kind of ambiguous things to learn and hopefully it translates into something. I Correct. totally identify with that. Correct. And was, were there self-improvement things that you did? Uh, were there, you know, talk to us about some of those early mentors that you had, sure. whether it be, you know, people in your life or these kind of, you know, the Zig Ziglar, maybe Tom Hopkins uh, sure. or whoever it is, that type of thing sure. that was important to you. Sure. Well, certainly my grandfather. Yes. You know, I relied on him for a lot of, a lot of help uh, as it related to, you know, the vocabulary knowledge, mm -hmm. you know, real world experience. My father mm -hmm. as well also played a huge factor. Was your grandfather a broker? No, he was not. Okay, what he profession? Had, what, what? He was an he was an accountant by trade. Okay, and he had an ad agency that uh, uh, he did all the books for in downtown Chicago. Okay, but he took the train every day. His work ethic, yeah, no different than my father. Mm -hmm. You know, is what is what I uh, is what I saw mm -hmm. on a day to day basis mm -hmm. uh, with that. So it was you had to get up, mm -hmm. get dressed. Go work, mm -hmm. you know, and then what so those are things that made an impression on you. Correct, and then I also remember with Century Twenty One, uh, you mentioned like Zig Ziglar, uh, Walter Stanford mm -hmm. was a gentleman mm -hmm. that uh, I related to because he started his real estate career very young out in California, and he was a speaker at one of the events. I spent some time with him mm -hmm. uh, after that event. And I, I bought into some of the concepts, and that has added some structure to still even what we're doing today. Hmm. Yeah. So you find you find a model, or you find a uh, some you know. It, it, there's different strokes for different folks, right? Some some people have this kind of style, some people that kind of style, but there's somewhere out there that you can kind of identify with that says, okay, I, you know, there's a little bit of a track for me to run on, mm -hmm. that he did it, they're successful, he kind of blazed the path, and now I can do the same thing too. And it, it, it allows you to have some faith in the efforts, yes. right? Because you're like, okay, if I do this, I think I can get similar results. I might not be as good as him, or it might be this and that, but I at least can get those efforts. That's great. That's
Were there were there mentors in your office too that took you under their wing, or was that just kind of learn you know, learn what you learn what you could? There were, there were. I mean, it, my, that, I've been very fortunate in my real estate career that no matter which office or which company I have gone to, you know, the the amount of sharing and contributing, mm-hmm. you know, you pick up a little bit from everybody, mm-hmm. so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's and it's being able to to be open to that type of growth. You want to be a sponge. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to take in as much information as I could. So maybe there was an agent that was very, very good at for sale by owners. Mm-hmm. Maybe there was another one that was good at open houses. Or there was another one that was good at expired listings. Mm-hmm. And so if I got in touch with each one of those people and learned and said, okay, what are they doing? And then, okay, that's how they do it. I, I take that knowledge and then try to to craft it so that it fits my style. Make it your own. Exactly. Yeah. So there were there were a lot of different people mm-hmm. that have that have helped. You know, and, and, and not just the real estate brokers. I think a lot of the attorneys that we've come in contact with, mm-hmm. home inspectors, you mm-hmm. pick up the various things and you look at things from a little different perspective and you go, okay, how can I make this transaction a little easier for my client. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I had this experience with this home inspector. This is what they said. You know, and it's just offering that advice or those tips to mm-hmm. the buyer or to the seller. And that proves that proves your knowledge, your expertise in the field. That's excellent. So Frank, so I, I you know, having started in sales myself and kind of watching everyone's journey, you go from can I make it? Can I make a living? Can I eat here? To can I build a life? Sure. And so, talk a little bit about if that was some of your process, like you know, hustle, hustle, hustle. I need to survive. And then, when did you like know, like this is what I'm, this is what I'm going to be doing? Did you know it right from the beginning, or did it take you some time to get there to say, I, you know, I think I can be good at this? Um, I, I think that it was inherently part of the DNA. Okay. And so you didn't so question yourself when I you began. I didn't question it yeah. at the beginning. Just it was a matter of time. It was a matter of time. Mm-hmm. You know, the marketplace when I started was such, well, in 30 years mm-hmm. I've seen it evolve yep. into a lot of different things. And it's also being open to change. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to, you have to think about, um, you know, if, if the business is headed in this direction, am I going to be going with it? Yeah. Or am I going to fight it? Right. You know, and that's great. Uh, it was, I mean, it was the, those early years when you're, when you're starting your family, you know, you maybe have children and you're, you're grinding. Now, now you're responsible for other people mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And you go, okay, wait a sec. I don't, I don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. I have to, make this work one way or the other yeah. because I have people counting on me. Yeah, that's a big responsibility. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's being able to say, okay, how, how it's, it's not an ego thing. Yeah. It no, really isn't right. because you have to be humble as well yeah. because at some point in your life, you may need some help. Mm-hmm. You don't have all the answers. Mm-hmm. And the sooner that individuals can realize that and say, okay, you know, maybe I need to be talking to this person who can help me in this arena mm-hmm. or talking to this person and then taking that in you may have a better outcome. Yeah, knowing it all never helps. Never, you never learn anything when you know it all no, because there's no room for uh, any additional knowledge or improvement. Right. And, and you know, it is. It's, it's, it's trying to stay grounded.
grounded mm -hmm. and, and making sure that you know you don't become cocky or mm -hmm. arrogant mm -hmm. along those lines and you also have to uh, I use the, the word I like to use with with my agents and with my team is tact mm -hmm. you know you have to be very tactful with everything that you're saying so that it doesn't come across you know it may not necessarily be what your intention is mm -hmm. everything is how it's perceived by the other person yeah you know Frank that's it it's a it's a fine line because you're really in a business where you have to promote yourself a lot. Sure. You know what I mean? And you have to be confident in the things you can do. And so how do you how do you mix that with humility? Right? Because it's kind of like, you know, Frank Passaro, agent, I can list your home and my team is great, but oh by the way, I'm here to serve, right? Because right. that's the that's the Right. Mm -hmm. I, I I it's more about it's more about making the, is having, is, is providing, I've always thought of myself as being a resource to mm -hmm. people first mm -hmm. and a realtor second. So the business comes as you put the towel over your arm and say, how can I help? What can, how can I add value here? Absolutely. And that it's natural as opposed to fighting and scrapping to get to the top of the heap. Correct. Yeah. You know, I mean, if, if you can, if you can help someone mm -hmm. with something, mm -hmm. And then they, they it's going to come back to you at some point, yes. probably tenfold. Yeah, you know. And but it's making sure I've never claimed to be the sharpest tool in the shed. Yeah. But I wanted to make sure that I had a good team mm -hmm. around me, so they say, okay, you know, you want to talk about wills or trusts, you want to talk about finances. These are the various people that you can go to. Mm -hmm. the, you know, you need a carpeting person. Here's my carpet guy. Yeah. You know, they wanted to make sure because those people were a reflection of me as well. And if they had a good experience, oh, Frank provided us with a, with a great resource. Mm -hmm. That's what it's all about. Yeah, and it's interesting, Frank, that the real estate brokerage world, you know, you grew up here, you went to high school here, you know all kinds of people, it's family after family. You really have to protect your reputation, right? Because oh. it isn't like you're selling in uh, Omaha and you know if you did a bad job or whatever no one in your town knows what does frank do everyone knows what frank does sure. and whether he's doing a good job and so it's a big responsibility it is mm -hmm. it is you know when uh, what one of the things that my father taught me was he said look your reputation is your key mm -hmm. the real estate community is how all of these transactions get done and so yes we are supposed to treat our clients we have a fiduciary responsibility to our clients as well. And I kind of look at it the same way with the real estate community. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I need their cooperation in order to be able to get things done. Mm -hmm. I can't sell a house. I can't help a buyer without another agent's help mm -hmm. in that transaction. Mm -hmm. And so I want to treat them with the respect and the professionalism that they deserve as well. And you're going to probably see him again. Absolutely. You know I mean? It's a small Absolutely. market in some ways. So Frank, uh, so at what point, so here we are at Baird Warner. You're, yeah. you're, uh, you're a top one percenter here. So what, wh when did you choose to be a part of the Baird Warner? I think you, I think we're in, we're sitting in the number one office, yes. not, not just a neighbor, maybe in, you know, in Chicagoland, just amazing numbers and one of the most successful uh, operations in real estate brokerage in, in the nation. 
Um, what, when did you choose Baird and Warner and what was that process like for you? Sure. So, um, Century 21 was going through a transition. Mm -hmm. My father was one of the broker owners of the company mm -hmm. and uh, they wanted to build a new office and they were going to put it in downtown Naperville. Uh, that, was, that was the plan and it ended up that it was going to be in a high rise and we were going to be on multiple floors and I didn't see the benefit there. Mm. And um, what was this? What year? This was 2000, uh, I think we moved in, we moved in in 2004 to the okay. new facility. And, and, and now the real, now having been in the real estate market at that time, it's roaring hot, right? Yeah, getting, it's building up it to was. really fever pitch at this it point. It was. Right before the big short. It was. Yeah. And so that was 2000, so probably about 2003. Okay. Even before that, 2002, mm -hmm. because uh, John Matthews, uh, our, our regional, yep. our regional uh, head, uh, John was managing this Naperville office okay. at that time. Okay. And John actually was one of my neighbors. Okay. He, he had lived, his eye on you. He lived down the street okay. and he, he would always come by when I was cutting my grass. Hey. And he says, why aren't you working? I said, because I got all my stuff done. You know, and That's so, uh, and being the son of a broker, yep. sometimes people don't take you seriously when you're looking at other options mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so John was one of the few that did mm. and now it took him two years mm -hmm. to recruit us over but my father sold his interest in the business and he said Frank he says wherever you want to go he said that's fine we'll, we'll go there mm. and so I met with John several times we talked about various things it seemed like a very good place and certainly I've been here ever since wow and so uh, I'm very appreciative that I had come in contact with John mm -hmm. uh, about our, our situation. And like I said, he was one that actually took me seriously. And what, did your dad, when your dad sold, did he retire or did he come with you? He came with. Wow. So okay. he's, he's still, uh, he'll be uh, seven, he'll be 77. He'll kill me for saying yeah, that. He's 77 right. in June. This will be his 50th year wow. in the real estate business. Wow, that's and amazing. He's still, he's still going strong. No kidding. So That's fantastic, right? And, and you think, you know, a lot of people get into something, you know, working hard to get out of it because they don't. Sure. But when you see somebody who's like, hey, he, maybe he could retire, maybe, you know, but he's a guy that says, no, I, you know, there's no retiring in me. I still have value to add. Sure. Yeah, sure. That's fantastic. So, I mean, it's, and so John brought us in. Uh, 2004, uh, Baird & Warner has been a, a very good company mm -hmm. for for myself mm -hmm. and my team. Yep. Uh, Steve Baird has, and, and uh, Laura Ellis and Jennifer, they have allowed me to do have various roles mm -hmm. within the company mm -hmm. and that has helped with my growth. And so I'm very appreciative of that. Um, that's and awesome. That's, and that's how the property management stuff. Yeah, I want to get into that. Started. Yeah, so Frank, when you came when you came here in the early 2000s, did you bring a team over or were you an individual broker that all of a sudden then you wanted you then started saying, "Hey, I'd like to build a team." Or when when did that team mindset come in for you? So the team mindset was very early on. Okay. Uh, that started in 1996 is wow. when I started my team. That was that's the year great. my daughter was born. And so uh, George Ailing was with Century 21 in Orland Park. Okay. And uh, George, <clears throat> I met George at a conference and he said, Frank, 
He says, you've got to be looking at a team. He said, there's so many benefits to it. And uh, I, talked, I, I looked into it a little further. George's help, I was able to, to build that team. I started with an assistant. And then it grew from there. I had a buyer's agent. I got another agent. And when we came over, I'm trying to remember, in 2004, I think we had six people on the team. Mm. And uh, some of it was family, but there was some connection to past clients as well. Wow. So my, my admin, who was with me uh, for a long time, and she, re she retired about 10 years ago, she was a client mm. that I brought her in. One of my other assistants was one of my neighbors that I brought in. Mm. My aunt worked with me as a, as a realtor as well. We brought her in. Uh, so there's always been some type of either family or client connection as to how the team started to grow. So Frank, for an agent that's sitting there going, is the team right for me or not? I know you've spoken a lot on this. What, is, what was the what was the inspiration for you to say, hey, instead of me being an individual broker that's just going to be an, a, a contributor and a producer myself, I want to work with a team. Are you just a collaborative kind of guy or what? what is it? It, it is. I mean, it is a collaboration. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's, having some, it's having some satisfaction in seeing people grow yep. and reaching their potential mm -hmm. or reach, reaching the goals that they've set forth for themselves. Yeah. Because um, some of them go off and become their own brokers and all that. Sometimes that happens. You, get, you give them your blessing, and it's like that's a, that's a success story in it many is. ways, right? You have it to is. let that go. It is. And that's great. So, uh, but that team, I mean, we do. We try to, uh, when, when we talk to clients, it is about the team. Mm -hmm. It is not just about Frank or Frank and Tom. Yeah. It's about the Pacero team. And so if if we are we list the property as a group and if we are struggling you know we we with that sale or if the marketing is not going the way that we had hoped well we bring everybody together we start talking about different things kind of masterminding exactly yeah. to to come up with a, a better solution okay uh so okay so let's talk about now you are you know, not only the the person who runs the property management arm of Baird Warner, but you're really kind of renowned in real estate in general, uh, you know, at, at various organizations, Main Street or whatever, as a kind of a property management guru. Yeah. And how did that, so what, what happened there? How did, how did you kind of brand yourself that way? Sure, so in, uh, I've always done some form of property management. Mm -hmm since about 1998 okay and so i've run a property myself mm -hmm. and i was really only doing it for clients of ours and i had a client that i had sold a piece of property to they got transferred the company wasn't helping him and he said frank I, i'm going to be moving to texas he said we got to sell the townhouse and i went over did the numbers they weren't going to work he was going to have to bring a lot of money to the closing table and he said, well, what are my options? I said, well, how about renting the house? And he said, well, okay, what does that look like? So I went back to my father. He said, well, what does that look like? He says, well, you can rent the house, no problem. You know, tenants all the time and so forth. And I went back to the client and he said, well, that's great, but I'm gonna be in Texas. What happens if something breaks? So I went back to my father and what I said, breaks? what happens if something breaks? How, yeah. how do we do this? Mm -hmm. Well, you can manage the property. Mm -hmm. Okay, what does that look like? 
And he had done, Tom had done some management over the years. Mm -hmm. And so we used, we used that boilerplate uh, agreement and we started with that. Mm. And so I was maybe managing six, seven properties for clients mm -hmm. just on a small scale. Well, in 2004, when we came over to Baird and Warner, John Matthews said, well, we wanna make sure that we preserve that business for you. So they made sure that we had all the accounts set up and so forth. And then it kind of grew from there. You know, John knew that- People they, had questions, yeah. whatever opportunities arose. Yeah. John knew that we were doing it for our clients. Yeah. And he was hearing from other agents in the office, oh, my client wants to rent their house. They're gonna be moving out of state. And John's like, well, got Frank, mm -hmm. he can manage the property. Mm -hmm. What does that look like? So I started doing it just for other agents here in the office. Mm -hmm. Fast forward 2008, 2009, I left, I left the residential sales brokerage and went to manage the Bolingbroke office for Baird and Warner. Okay. And so I was there about a year and a half, came back, oops, sorry. Uh, I came back and uh, I had hired a property manager at that time when I came back because I was focused on the sales. I said, we've got the property management. I'll have the gentleman do that. Mm -hmm. We got it up to about 36 properties. Mm -hmm. And that was then when the downturn in the marketplace was starting to happen. And all of a sudden we saw, I saw what was going on. I said, oh, we got it. We have to amp things up a little bit. Mm -hmm. I was an assistant manager here at Naperville and I was trying to tweak where my role was gonna go. Uh, 2011, I had conversation with Laura Ellis. She said, Frank, what would it look like if you started managing property for the entire company? What would that look like? And so we started working through that. Uh, Warren was involved with that, mm -hmm. I And uh, then April, First of 2012, we launched Baird Warner Property Management. We had 36 properties. And so it was really trying to get out there to the offices to share with them our experience, our knowledge, mm -hmm. what services we could provide for their clients, making sure that the focus was all about client retention for Baird and Warner. Mm -hmm. you know, we didn't we knew that if if a client since Baird Warner didn't do property management, if a client hired another company, well, more than likely they do real estate as well. Mm -hmm. So there was an opportunity for us to lose that business and with our reputation, with our services that we provided, we just felt that it was another avenue that we could, we could explore. Mm. And so we started with those 36 properties and here we are today, we're approaching 375. Amazing. Which doesn't seem like a lot. Yeah. You know, but again, it's based on that client retention and so we lose a number of properties due to sales because totally. our focus was mainly on those accidental mm -hmm. or reluctant landlords. Yeah. Maybe they couldn't sell their house or the numbers didn't work out for mm -hmm. them or maybe the market was such where they couldn't sell their property. Yeah. Yeah. And we just needed to buy them some time so, and they needed to move. So could we get someone in there that would pay that rent, that would help them pay their mortgage? Mm. And then when the market was right or their financial situation had improved, now we could bring them back into the sales arena mm. and sell the property and accomplish the goal that the owner was looking for. 
Wow. And so we lose, last year we lost about 100 properties. And lost means sold by, you sold. Know, whatever, yeah. So those are all gains in some ways, but you Correct. lose them as part of the property management property role. Absolutely. So 2022, we started with about 305 properties. We lost 100. And so now here we are sitting at about approaching 370. Wow. You know, so that's, that's the role that it plays. Mm -hmm. Would I love to see those numbers be even bigger? Of course. Yes. Should we be managing five, 600 properties? I'd love to see that. Yeah. We've grown organically. Yep. You know, it, there is, it, it, uh, we're very, um, uh, we want to, we want to make sure that uh, it's a good fit mm -hmm. with the owner mm -hmm. as well. We just don't take every single property that comes Yeah, you're to vetting us. these things out. Yeah, just like we vet tenants, we try mm -hmm. to vet owners mm -hmm. to some capacity as well. And so it's worked out very, very well. And the marketplace changes. Mm -hmm. And so now we're starting to see, you know, we have low inventory of sales. We also have more of inventory of rentals as well. Yeah. So the, the prices are going up in both arenas. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so both businesses are still thriving. That's awesome. You know, Frank, um, it's a great example of really, you know, kind of doing one thing well, then letting it naturally expand, like you use the word organic. And all of a sudden you, oh, I'll take a property, I'll take two, I'll take three, I'll take four, all of a sudden I have 300. You know, uh, it, you know, it's kind of like the, they say the overnight success takes about 10 years. You know what I mean? Um, so it's great to see that uh, career path for you. So Frank, as you look into the future, just kind of wrap it up. What do you see for your, um, you know, for your team and for the property management business? What's on the horizon? I, I think that there's, there's huge opportunity in both arenas. Mm. Um, you know, I, I have, I have at this point in my career, I have put a little more emphasis on the property management side of things. Mm -hmm. And so I have the team, the, the Pacero team to, uh, still focus on, on the sales yeah. aspect. You, you do a ton of units every year and you we do a do. ton of business. We've, we've got a good customer base yeah. and, and I don't want to lose, I don't want to lose that. We have built some great relationships mm -hmm. and so we want to keep that. So I'm, I'm still in the fray with that, but not as, not as active as, as I would like to be. So mm -hmm. I'm still trying to find some balance mm -hmm. with that. You know, now with the property management side of things, it's really about education. Mm -hmm. It's really about educating brokers here at Baird & Warner. It's about educating even the, the management at mm -hmm. Baird & Warner mm -hmm. about what's going on in the rental world mm -hmm. uh, across our country. Mm -hmm. uh, there are so many changes that have taken place really in the last five years, and we see that continuing even into the next 10, mm. 15, 20 years. And so, uh, again, trying to be that resource mm -hmm. for people, that's where, I, that's where I think the value is gonna come into play. Mm -hmm. And whatever comes of that, we're prepared to do. Mm -hmm. You know, if that means that we jump to 500 properties, 600 properties, whatever that case is, I'm trying to make sure that our base is solid. Yeah. That's what I'm focusing on yeah. right now is to make sure that we've got the right people in place, mm -hmm. that we're spending the appropriate time educating ourselves mm -hmm. on what's going on 
in the in the community and across the country so that we can better inform the people that need that help mm -hmm. these owners that are trying to make the decision whether they should sell their house or whether they should rent it what's the end goal you know is it is it just about getting that quick cash is it about building wealth mm -hmm. is it about establishing some type of a legacy mm -hmm. for my family mm -hmm. It, 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 it's all, all part of it. Yeah, there's a different answer for each one of those Absolutely. Uh, objectives. Absolutely. Um, and Frank, and I see that with the, you know, with COVID and all these things where people all of a sudden became squatters or whatever, I mean, there's all kinds of that happening. It's becoming more and more complex to the point where there's a real professional that's needed. You can't just say, oh, I'll do this kind of half-assed. And next thing you know, you're not getting the job done, right? True. Yeah. True. So leveraging someone that has property management experience that kind of seen these things that know the earmarks of a bad tenant or a good tenant and that kind of thing, that just can become invaluable in building your real estate business. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I look at when we talk to owners, we're talking about calculated risk. Mm -hmm. Calculated risk. Mm -hmm. And what is what does that mean? You know, if 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 a lot of the tenants that we deal with they're looking for that second chance. Mm. You know, maybe, as you said, we're coming out of COVID. And so how many people were out of work during that time? Mm -hmm. How many people suffered financially during mm -hmm. that time? Mm -hmm. And now they're starting to rebuild. Mm -hmm. Well, when we start talking to landlords about tenant situations, what's gonna make that owner feel comfortable mm -hmm. about taking on that tenant? Because everyone has a story, and especially renters, if they could own, they would. Sure. And so there's a gap between being able to own and wanting to live somewhere and raise a family and do all those kind of things. Absolutely. And these are human beings that need a place to live and want to be a part of the community. That is true. Yeah. That is true. So that's great. Well, Frank, I just want to say thank you. Uh, what a journey. I noticed that you're the, are, are you still uh, the head of the softball uh, here? <laughs> yes. This okay. will be our 20, this will be our 21st year. Uh, playing softball, we have a neighborhood, we have a subdivision league okay. here in Naperville. Okay. And uh, as a matter of fact, this will be my last year as the commissioner okay. of it. I'm turning over the reins. Are you guys on the pitch clock as well, or no? You not, didn't implement that? No, no pitch clock. <laughs> ours, ours, we use wooden bats. Oh, Dave. wow. Okay, that's bats, old school right there. You know, and, yeah. it's, and it's 12 inch, so we're, okay. we're really trying to focus on the safety aspect yeah. of it. Yeah. Even though a lot of us are still trying to uh, relive our uh, glory our days. Glory days. Yeah, and scratch the competitive itch, right? I mean, that's uh, that's part of it. It's part Absolutely. of fun. So building into the community is also important to you. Yes. Um, well, Frank, I just want to say thanks a lot for oh, taking you. the time out. I think that anyone who takes the time to listen to, you know, what you have to say would find that. Uh, that you know, and what, what what is unique about the Passaro brand? I hear thirty years of a lot of experience. That, you know, kind of been there, done that, yet with a great ambition still, to, and energy to serve the community. So bravo to you! I see why Thank you're you. successful, and I see why people pick you. So thanks a lot. I appreciate it, Steve. Thank you. Excellent.